If you'd open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, the text that Gary read this morning will be our text. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 11, 1 John chapter 4. Each of the times that I've had the opportunity to preach, I've told you that I'm preaching on one of God's attributes, and my desire, just being straightforward, my desire is that you will know God and know Him more. And as you do, that you will grow in your worship of Him, and you will grow in the attribute that we're going to be considering this morning. An attribute of God that we can also choose. The attribute love. You cannot love unless you know the love of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. You will not love. You are incapable of love apart from knowing the love of God in His Son. You may feel emotions that you think are love. You may do things that you think look like love. But you do not really know love. Because love is from God. And if you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, you do not know God. And if you do not know God, you cannot know what is from God. You can know about it, but you cannot know it. Not the way in which God intends for you. Maybe this causes you to have an objection right from the start, or at least a question. What about people who do not have faith in Jesus, but do loving things? They love their family, they love others, they're kind to others. That, my friends, is God's common grace. In a similar way that a a person who is a Mormon, who does not have faith in Jesus, cares for his family. He cares for them. But it is not considered good before God because the Mormon's motivation is not to worship the one true and living God. He does not know God. So motivation is one reason. But it goes even deeper. A person who does not know the love of God does not know what real, pure love is. It may look like loving actions, but they do not know the real love. Love is from God. If you love, it is because you are born of God and know God. And if you are born of God through faith in Jesus Christ, you love one another. Verses 7 and 8 are what we're going to look at first. And this is the first point. Love because it is from God. Love because it is from God. 
What was God doing before creation? This provocative question is the title to the first chapter of Michael Reeves' book, Delighting in the Trinity. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. What was God doing before creation? There was no one who needed mercy. No one who needed grace. No one to forgive, to sustain. But there was someone to love. We see throughout the scripture, God reveals himself as father. In Isaiah 63, Isaiah writes, For you are our father. In Deuteronomy 32, Do you thus repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he your father who has bought you? In 1 Chronicles 29, David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. God is the Father of His finite human creation. You and I. And Jesus in Matthew 6 When he says, pray in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Jesus includes himself in our. From eternity past, God is a Father. He became creator, ruler, and king later. But from eternity past, he was a father. And to be a father, he must have a child. God the Father has a Son. Not in the way that we have a Son. An eternal Son. The second person of the triune Godhead. In John chapter 17, verse 24, Jesus says, Father, you loved me before the creation, the foundation of the world. Reeves writes, Before God ever created, before he ever ruled the world, before anything else, this God was a father loving his son. Jesus, the eternal son, always existing as the second person of the triune Godhead, was loved by his father before the creation of the world. And in our text, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, at the end of verse 8, what is the attribute that God reveals about himself? That he is love. He reveals this love. In John 5, John writes, the Father loves the Son. In John 14, The Apostle writes, the Son loves the Father and does exactly as the Father commands. From eternity past, there has been a perfect love, a perfect love within the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons 
One being, God, exhibiting a perfect love one for another. And we see an example of this in Jesus' baptism. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and resting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Father, declaring his pleasure in his Son. And then the Holy Spirit resting on Jesus. Have you ever wondered or asked, why did the Holy Spirit come to rest on Jesus? He was still divine. He did not give up his divinity. He was still divine. Why did the Spirit come and rest on Jesus? When Jesus becomes a man, he didn't lose his divinity. He continued to be divine. He was truly God in every way. But in his humanity... He was being anointed for his ministry. The Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove and was a visible, confirming sign to John the Baptist and everyone else that Jesus truly was Messiah. Another reason that the Holy Spirit came to rest on Jesus. I think it would be helpful if you turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Another reason that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Having been justified, declared righteous, By faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Every person who has placed their faith, who has declared their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, has been declared righteous and has peace with God. Verse 2. So we exult. We who have placed our faith in Jesus, who have peace with God, exult in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. And not only this, Not only do we exalt in the hope of the glory of God, we exalt in tribulations. Because the really hard things in life, tribulations, they bring about perseverance. And when we persevere in our faith in Jesus Christ, it grows our character. And when our Christian character grows, our hope, our confidence in the glory of God grows. And then verse 5. And our confidence, our hope in the glory of God does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through or by the Holy Spirit himself who dwells in us. The Father makes his love known through the giving of the Holy Spirit. The Father gave a visible symbol of His love at Jesus' baptism. The Father gives a promise of His love in sending His Spirit to dwell in you and me who believe in Jesus. 
The Father makes His love known to us through His Spirit. The Father pours out His love for you within your heart through His Spirit. He pours out His love for you by placing His Spirit Himself in you who believe. This is such a personal way that the Father shows His love for you. There's no more personal way that He could do this. He dwells in you. The Father demonstrates His love not only through having peace with Him through Jesus Christ. That would be enough. That would be wonderful to have peace with God, for Him to show His love in that way. But He goes beyond that And He dwells in you through His Spirit. The giving of His Spirit. And His Holy Spirit in you. It transforms your heart. It transforms your heart so that you may know our Father better. So that you may know our Father more purely, so that you may know our Father like Jesus knows His Father. And so you desire to walk with Him. And so you desire to walk with Him in His ways. The Spirit who dwells within you He stirs your affection for our Father and for His Son. I want to know God's love more and more. I want you to know God's love more and more. This is love. God's love is pure and perfect and good. It does not disappoint. He's continually pouring it out. God's love is not better than love apart from Him. God's love is not better than love apart from Him. There is no love apart from Him. It's false and fake. And will disappoint. There is no love apart from God's love. We love because it is from God. Second, love because he sent his son. Verses 9 and 10. God is love. Verse 9. He reveals his love in connection with us by sending His Son to die so that we can live through His Son. He demonstrates His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, He sent His Son to die for us so that we can know our Father. God loved us first in the condition that we wallowed Sin. The emphasis in verse 9, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, the, the emphasis I find to be interesting, and you see it in the Greek, 
the object of the sentence, his son, Jesus, is brought forward in the sentence in the Greek. It's brought before the verb sent. And John does this for emphasis. He brings it forward for emphasis, the object. And then the verb and the subject are reversed from what it would normally be. So the subject, God, is also emphasized. So in the Greek, it reads like this, verse 9. By this was manifested the love of God in connection with us, that His Son, His one and only, He has sent, God has sent into the world. It's not a smooth way to read it in the Greek, but this is what I want you to take away from it. John is emphasizing two things in this verse, or two people in this verse. He's emphasizing God the Father and God the Son. And he's doing that through the word order by bringing them forward in the verse. In fact, in verses 7 through 12, John repeats God 11 times. God who is love. He's emphasizing God the Father and God the Son. Verse 10. God loved us. God is love. God is the source of love. We had no love for Him. And God loved us when we had no love for Him. We who were in guilt, willful rebellion, we were undeserving, unclean, unworthy, And our Father's love isn't a generic love. It's not an abstract love. It's not an undefined feeling or emotion. John includes a definite article. He says, by this, the love of God. Think of it this way. A man could be any man. The man is a specific man. What John is doing when he's writing is he's pointing to the true love that alone deserves the name love. The love. This is the true love. The only love that deserves to be called love is the love of God. And this love has its origin wholly in God, who is love itself. And God's love is not that He ignores our sin. He cannot. He cannot ignore our sin. It goes against His attribute of being holy and just. He must punish sin. He must be true to His nature. And so God's love is not that He ignores our sin. God's love is greater than that. He loves us. By sending His Son to pay the penalty that must be paid for our sin. His love is much greater, much deeper, much more personal than simply ignoring or forgetting our sin. Sin must be paid for. And God's love is costly. Sacrificing His Son, whom He loves completely. At the end of verse 10, propitiation. Sin earns God's wrath. 
God's eternal punishment. Propitiation is the appeasing of God's wrath. But it accomplishes more than satisfying His wrath. It turns His wrath into favor. Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. Jesus is the only way that God's wrath can be turned to favor. If you do not abide in Jesus through faith, you will know God's wrath. You will never know God's favor. You may experience common grace. There may be good blessings that happen in your life, but that is not God's favor. If you do abide in Jesus through faith, you will never know God's wrath. You will only know God's favor. You will know His discipline when you disobey. Because the Father disciplines those whom He loves. But you will never know His full wrath. The love. The love that is truly love has its source in God. The supreme manifestation of love for us is seen in God sending His Son to suffer and to die so that we may live. Love. Crucifying His Son so His rebellious enemy may live as an adopted son or daughter. So love. Because it is from God. Love. Because He sent His Son for you. And third, love. Because God loves us. Verse 11. Love. Because God loves us. Does His love for you motivate you to love others? God actively, intentionally, and purposefully loves you. Does this cause you to actively, intentionally, purposefully choose to love others? Particularly when you don't feel like it. Turn to John chapter 17, if you would. I want to read verses 24 through 26. This is the end of Jesus' prayer the night before he was crucified. John chapter 17, verses 24 to 26. This is the end of Jesus' prayer. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you. 
And these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love which you have loved me may be in them. The love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Love is from God. He sent His Son for you so that you may know the love. The love which the Father loves the Son. Jesus wants you to know the same love that the Father has for Him. That His love may be in you. And more than that, that Jesus through His Spirit may be in you. The Spirit Himself may be in you and is in you if you have trusted in Jesus Christ. I want you to be overwhelmed with God's love for you. His perfect love within the Trinity His perfect love that is alive in you through His Spirit. The Father's love is not inward focused. It's not self-oriented. It's not selfish. It's outward focused within the Trinity towards His Son. With His creation towards His creation. With those created in His image towards those made in His image. God's love is like the brilliant light from the sun. It radiates out and and everyone who stands in the sun's presence sees its brightness and feels its warmth. And the Father's love is like the light from the sun. It goes outward towards others. And the Father's love, the Father's love for you was never intended to terminate in others. It was never intended to end in others. We're not to be black holes with the Father's love. The Father's love and light comes and we're like a black hole that just absorbs it. That is not the intention of His love. That's not why He pours out His love in you. His love is not just for ourselves. Just so that we feel better. Just so that we feel recharged. Just so that we feel uplifted. We're not to be black holes. The moon does not create its own light. The moon absorbs the light from the sun, but it does not swallow the light like a black hole. It reflects the light of the sun. We do not create love. Real love, true love, comes from God. We are to absorb His love. Yes, we are. It's light and it's warmth. And we are to reflect His love back to Him and to others. God's love for His Son, Jesus, 
is always met with a response from Jesus. Jesus' love back to the Father by doing the Father's will and obeying His commands. And it's also reflected in Jesus' love to you and me. God loves me. God loves you so that you can love Him and so that you can love others. We see this in Jesus' summation of the law, don't we? When they say, Jesus, what is, what, what is the most important law? He says, love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and love others. Love is not for us to absorb like a black hole. We are to feel the warmth and the light of God's love and reflect it back to him and to others. Michael Reeves writes, The Father loved Jesus before the creation of the world, and the reason the Father sends Him is so that the Father's love for Him might be in others also. You and me. That is why the Son goes out from the Father in both creation and salvation, that the love of the Father for the Son might be shared with us. Because the Son is the model for us, His response to the Father also serves as a model for how we should respond. Jesus said, so the world may learn that I love the Father. It's convicting for me when I read that. Does God's love for me manifest itself so that the world around me knows my love for my Father? Is that how I'm living my life? Through my thoughts? Through my words? Through my actions? Reeves continues, Just as the Father decided to include us in His love for the Son, to share it with us, so the Son chose to include us in His love for the Father. He delights to echo His Father's love back to Him. And that is what it is to be beside God. To image Him. It's what it means to be His child. We have been created that knowing God's love, we might love the Lord our God. Do you know God's love? Perfect and pure and good. You strive to love like God loves. Or is your love conditional? Is your love toward God or others really more about you? Is the amount of your love for God or for others based on how you feel they're loving you? How do you love when your life is good? How do you love when your life is hard? Will you love God? Will you love others? I want to love better. More like our Father and like Jesus. And I want you to know God's love for you. Not merely so that you feel good about how much God loves you. 
I do want you to know that. And I do want you to feel that. But as as you know, and as you feel God's love, that you would reflect it back to Him. And that you would reflect it back to others. Yes, to our church family. But to all those around you. The difficulty in preaching is not the preparation. It's the Spirit convicting my heart of my failings and my sin and still standing before people and proclaiming the Word of God. And in this is a choice. And it's a choice that I feel. And it's a choice that you know too in your daily life. Do we become angry? Because we have to give up our sin? Do we have self-pity? Because it feels so hard to give up our sin? Or do we choose faith and love? Because it is hard. But I want to love Jesus. And I want to love the Father. And I want to know their love and walk in their love. For me, in running the race, there's times I feel like sitting down. There's times it feels, wow, to keep running is going to be hard. And in those moments, we have a choice. Will we bow out of the race? Will we continue to sit down? Or will we go to the one who gives us strength to just take the next step in love and obedience. And that's what I urge you to do. That's what I urge you to do. Will you choose to love God more? Will you choose to spend more time with Him? Will you choose to abide in Him? As you spend time with Him with a humble heart and a heart seeking Him, He will soften your heart towards Him and towards others. It is only through the Spirit alive in you, using His Word, that you will have a softer heart. Will you choose to love each person in your family more like God loves And your church family, especially those that you do not know well, will you be intentional and purposeful? We, we have a lot of new faces who have been coming and worshiping here. Will you be intentional and purposeful to introduce yourself and to be an encouragement and to talk with those that you do not know? Will you choose to love a neighbor? a co-worker, 
a classmate, will you choose to love those that God has placed in your life more like God loves? A great place to turn, but great in that really convicting way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Lord willing, November 7th is the next time that I have the opportunity to preach, and that's the application to today's message, and that's what I would like to preach in November. I know it's going to be a little time apart. But look at 1 Corinthians 13. Look at it with a humble heart, asking the Lord to reveal your heart to you. Where are the areas that you are loving like the Lord? And where are the areas that you are not loving like the Lord? And what would he have you to do? I want to love better. I want to love our Father more purely. I want to love others more fully. And I want this for you too. Do you know God's love through His Son, Jesus Christ? If you are not sure if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, I urge you to do so. Do it today. You can know for sure that your sin has been forgiven and that you can know God's love. If you know God's love. Are you absorbing His love? Are you only absorbing His love? Or are you absorbing His love and reflecting it back to Him and to others? May it be true for each one of us and may we be an encouragement one to another that we would grow in knowing God so that we can grow in loving God, so that we can grow in reflecting His love back to Him and back to others by walking in His ways. Know God's love, feel His love, and reflect it back to Him, and reflect it back to others. Let us love, because God is love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, each one of us should be utterly convicted and brought low when we think of your perfect and pure love and we look honestly at our own heart. I just see so much selfishness within my own heart. Father, I pray that as we look at our hearts and ask you to reveal them to us honestly, that it would compel us to cling all the more to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That as we see our weakness, we see his strength. 
And we hold firmly to our faith in Him and His promises to us. Father, I pray for each one of us individually, and I pray for this church that we will grow in love. First and foremost for you, and because of our love for you, it would overflow into loving one another and into loving all of those around us. And I pray this, that your name will be lifted high and glorified. Amen.